So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. Hello, welcome to the podcast of Two Ways Ministries. I'm Philip Jensen. I don't watch the show Q&A anymore because I don't really like it. I think it's a fairly phony and ridiculous show at times. But last week I heard about it and so I, I did go and look at it to see what the fuss was about. For last week, a man was ordered to leave the show. He, he was ordered to leave the show because he said that he was supported Mr Putin and the war in Ukraine. But he was asked to leave the show, they said, because he was advocating violence. Though the violence seemed to be no more than saying that he agreed with Mr Putin. I, I listened to it a couple of times and took notes to try and understand what had happened. Now, make no mistakes, war is dreadful. As the general at the time of the Civil War in America said, war is hell. And it is dreadful. And as you hear about the things that are happening as we see it on television. If your heart doesn't break, you don't have a heart. It's just awful. And this war, well, it's worse than most wars because, well, it, it's, it's an invasion. It's not one army against another army. It's one army well-equipped and huge, and air force as well, against a whole civilian population. And while the Russians may be saying that they are not targeting civilians. There's no way that you can encircle a city and bomb a city without killing, maiming, hurting civilians. I mean, this, this war is, is really appalling and it just is awful. And it appears to be worse than ever because we have such effective killing machines these days. It's gone are the days of bows and arrows, gone are the days of throwing spears. Gone are the days of single-fire muskets or something like that. We now can kill people at a distance with bombs that are just... It's just awful. And, of course, it, it's worse too for us because our news is so visual. From the time of the Vietnam War, when we started to get pictures of what it's like in warfare, we now have even more pictures we have people with their telephones taking videos of what is happening at the very moment around about them. And so war, which in, in other days and ages was fought on the other side of the world, out of sight and almost out of mind, now it's there right in my lounge room every, every evening when I turn on the news. It is just there and the pictures are so confronting and so difficult to cope with, especially for those of us who have spent our lives in Australia living with such peace and security and ease, to see the horror of what is taking place is almost too much to bear. And so, yes, we, we must pray for peace. Pray for the protection of the little people because they are the ones who always suffer the most, isn't it? Just the normal every little person that's around. We must pray for those who are aged, those who are with small children. We must pray for the poor people. We must pray that somehow God would intervene. A man who likes violence is the exact opposite of God. In Psalm 11 we're taught that the Lord tests the righteous 
but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Or Psalm 73, the wicked violence covers them as a garment. Or in Proverbs 4.17, the wicked, they, they drink the wine of violence. I don't know about you, but I hope and trust that you are somebody who doesn't really long for violence, who doesn't love what they see. I mean, we're filled, aren't we, with all these Hollywood films about war which in some ways glamorise it. We're filled with the kind of video games that is all about violence. Where, but these things are abstract. These things are, we know are not true. They're not real. They're not. But what we're seeing out of the Ukraine, it's all too real, isn't it? It really is heart-rending. And I hope that we have not been so desensitised by the, the movie industry that we will we will somehow fail to see the horror. But as best I can find talking to friends, and I don't know about you who are listening at this moment, but most of my friends, and I presume you, are really repulsed by what is taking place. This is some of the most awful things we have seen in our lifetime, and we're seeing more of it than other wars that are currently going on in the world. Because there are other wars that are just as bad, just as violent, but they somehow don't feature on our on our news broadcasts, which is part of censorship, sometimes unintentional censorship, but censorship. There's no person there filming it, and so we don't get to see it, so there's no news story to report to us. What we need and what the world needs, of course, it's, it's what we all want, is peace. But peacemaking requires understanding. It requires empathetic listening to the other side to to understand what the other person is thinking to try and and meet them somewhere along the line of of conciliation somewhere along the line of compromise or acceptance but how do we do that how can we listen to the real or the perceived problem Doing it via the media is not the way to do it. Doing it face-to-face is the way to do it. And the media does report that many of the leaders of the world and the diplomats of this world have been talking to the Russian president and others to try and to bring about a peace, but for somehow it has all failed. And so what we have is conflict. But while the media is telling us that these peace engagements have taken place and failed, the media itself thrives on conflict. It's good story when there's disagreement, when there's conflict. And so, in a sense, it, it really doesn't help the peacemaking process. It undermines the peacemaking process, encouraging disagreement and conflict until actually the war breaks out and then... Well, there's lots of media then, there's lots of ways of stories to tell, pictures to take and the like, but it's all in the tut-tut band, isn't it? You know, we don't like what is taking place, let me show you the photos. It is a dreadful thing that's just happened, let me show you the photos. Like in a divorce, there's nearly always two sides to a war. It's rarely just one side. Sometimes it is, but rarely it's usually two sides. And that requires listening to both sides to hear. Just blaming the other person, by and large, doesn't help. I mean, to say Mr Putin is mad, power crazy, wanting Ukrainian resources, well, I don't know. Those things could be true. I've never met the man. I don't know about you or the people who say these things. Have we actually 
run some tests to know whether he has psychiatric disorder? What evidence do we have that he's mad other than what he's doing is something that we think is madness? But he and others around him don't think it's madness, but he's just power crazy? I don't know. And I find it hard to evaluate those kinds of simplistic answers to what the problem is. You see, censorship is an inevitable mistake. It's inevitable. In war especially, it's inevitable. I mean, without censorship, well, there was an old saying in the Second World War, wasn't there? Loose lips sink ships. Once you're at war, you can't allow all the information of your nation to get into the hands of the enemy. And so censorship becomes inevitable in a war. But there's more to censorship than just not telling other people. There's the whole telling of lies, of propaganda, putting out false information, misconstruing, distorting the information that is out there, giving a false impression as to what is or isn't happening. There's an old saying, I think Churchill said it, but I don't know whether it was original to him, that lies circle the world before truth has time to put its pants on. And it it captures the problem. It's so easy to tell lies. And lies that are perpetuated, kept on being reported over and over again, well, the Hitler regime really found and developed the, the art of propaganda which the Stalin regime used as well. And so what we're hearing, one side says it's propaganda, the other side says it's truth. Propaganda is inevitable in a time of war. But it's all a mistake to censor information. You see, you can never trust the censor, can you? Because they have it in their interests, their interests, not yours, to keep the information private. And so you are not getting unbiased reports You're getting self-centred reports. I mean, I like censorship at one level. I I like garbage being put out in the garbage. I don't want lies. I don't want pornography in our society. I want things that are garbage to be seen for what they are and to be dispensed with. I don't want propaganda. I don't want that kind of false information, that one-sided information being perpetrated in our community. So I, I, can, I can understand why I like censorship, but it's always a mistake. You see, I, I don't know what is propaganda or what are lies without being able to test that. I don't know whether what I believe is true without being able to hear the alternative viewpoints. It's like that with Christianity too, isn't it? You see, I hate Jesus being attacked. I hate the Bible being impugned. I hate these silly television shows which tell us over and over again how Christianity is not true or that Easter is not really Christian and that Jesus didn't rise from the dead and on and on and on they go. I really can't stand it. I'd prefer that that was all censored and we only heard the truth of the gospel. But no, that would be a mistake. Because how can you know, how can I know, how can we know it's the truth If every objection, every question is silenced by censorship, will we not then fall prey to being just part of a sect or a cult, being manipulated by falsehood? Much as I hate all the attacks upon Christianity, in fact, they're good, because it means that I don't believe out of naivety, gullibility or stupidity or ignorance But I believe it's true having checked the information, having 
heard the opposition having tested the validity of what is being said. Well, Putin. Putin is absolutely blatant in his censorship. He's now banned public discussion of the war. I, I gather the word war is not allowed to be used. Independent journalists have been invited to stop and to get out. And demonstrations against the war effort there have been silenced and certain words are forbidden to be spoken in the country. Putin, Putin is just straightforward in his censorship, which makes it so hard for the Russian people. Uh, they don't know what is really happening. They don't know what's happening in their name. They don't know what they're supporting or what their family members are dying for. How can they know when any alternative view than Mr Putin's is being suppressed? Uh, we in the West, we practice censorship too, but a much more nuanced fashion. What we do is just present one side with a token alternative. And that's what we saw in the ABC recently on that Q&A show. It was a classic of Western censorship. Only one side of the conflict was represented. Each of the panellists represented the same view in terms of the war. That was the Ukrainian view. And even the people who asked questions were then asked to explain more of where they came from and what their problems were. And the Ukrainian view was laid out over and over again, not only in the answers from the panellists, but also in the questions from the floor. There was one token and vetted question from the other side. And it was interrupted before it was finished. One young man who said that he supported Mr Putin and the Russian cause at this time and the war that was there. Well, by the end of the show, we saw the conflict of modern and postmodern censorship. Modern censorship, the Enlightenment censorship, the Enlightenment was wonderful. They loved to quote Voltaire, you know, I, I don't like what's said, but I'll die for the person's right to say it. Uh, the postmodern, it's slightly different. They say we don't like things that make us feel uncomfortable. And so we have trigger alerts and cancel culture and banning people and their views. Well, the ABC, it sits in the history of modernism and postmodernism. It sits in the history of enlightenment discussion. That's why they have a Q&A. It's a, an open discussion of ideas and where different viewpoints can be said with people representing different views on the panel. But, of course, the ABC is highly censorious. It rarely gives genuine alternative views on the panel. And it appears to be enlightenment even-handed, but, in fact, the questions from the audience are all vetted beforehand so that nothing can really be asked from a genuinely different point of view that would, in some way, stop the discussion coming out as it's supposed to. I mean, this night, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> it was modernism at first. The person asked his question, and before he finished, he was interrupted by the information he was giving being corrected. Well, this is a good way of dealing with information, with lies. He was putting forward information which was considered to be Russian propaganda, and so the details of it were challenged. And But he wasn't given a chance to to defend his view. He was just told his view was wrong for certain reasons. I think his view was wrong, but we weren't allowed to hear the details of his argument. And then the morality of his argument was challenged too. 
someone was saying one murder doesn't excuse another murder even if the ukrainians had killed russians that doesn't excuse russians for killing ukrainians and so his views were dealt with in discussion though pretty heavy-handedly frankly but then later in the show the postmodern version came to the when the chairman showed he was upset or showed the other members of the audience were upset by what was said and actually told him that he was not welcome in the room and he asked him to leave. Well, asked is a polite word for told him to leave. And when the young man sought to, to protest, he was told not to speak again. He had to leave. He had to leave now. He was no longer welcome in this room. Why? Because he was advocating violence. Well, this, of course, was really ridiculous because others that night were advocating violence too. They were advocating violence against the Russians. He was advocating violence against the Ukrainians. But he wasn't the only person advocating violence. It just he was advocating the wrong violence. And so he was kicked out. But of course, to kick a man out is violent. To ban a person from his viewpoint, to ban a person from speaking, to ban a person from being even in the same room, well, that is violence. Oh, it might have used a gun, but it's violence none the same. He was on the Australian Broadcasting Commission. This is a publicly funded public broadcaster. As best I understand, he's a citizen, but he is not welcome to be able to point his point of view as a citizen of this nation. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I don't think the Russians should be in Ukraine. I'm horrified by what they're doing. I really was not all that pleased to be able to hear him advocating what was being done. But I'd like to hear why he or other people think that the action of invading the Ukraine is justified and why it was that the rest of the world couldn't meet their demands. In this world, we'll always have wars and rumours of wars. It's only Jesus who's going to bring us peace at the end of all wars. So in this world, we've got to try and live at peace with everybody as much as we're able to. And that requires listening to each other and trying to understand each other. It is not helped by censoring. It's not helped by banning. It's not helped by removing people. In fact, it makes such a view, such a person, a celebrity, and it confirms the very view that I understood he was saying, namely that Western media is not allowing the Russian point of view to be put. Western media is only listening to the Ukrainian view. Well, that's exactly what happened on the ABC on that night. I don't believe in the Russian viewpoint, but I don't believe that we should ever kick someone off from the station who's trying to earnestly and sincerely, as best I can understand, put up a viewpoint, even if it's wrong. You see, that's what people tried to do to Christianity, isn't it? Right from the beginning, when the apostles were in Jerusalem telling about Jesus, the leaders said they called the apostles and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. The truth will out and the truth will set us free. Let's not make the mistake of censorship or be afraid to speak up. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we do pray for these poor people who are suffering so so terribly in the Ukraine at the moment. We pray for the Russians, especially the soldiers who are inflicting such pain upon people, that you would soften their hearts, that you would give them wisdom, that you would help them to find righteousness. And we pray for the leaders of nations, Father, that they would come to a better mind, to live at peace and in harmony and not inflict such warfare on others. But we do pray, Father, that you would help us to face the truth and not to censor things that we do not like. And help us, please, Father, to speak up freely about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this new podcast from Philip Jensen and Two Ways Ministries. Philip will be bringing to you new regular episodes on a variety of topics and current issues. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up with his latest. Thank you.